When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, I am Ben Bolin. I write some videos here at the selfsame website. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yep, and we're going to – you know what we're going to do today, Ben? We're going to do uh, part two of a uh, maybe more than two-part series. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. maybe an ongoing series. It might be. It might be because this seems to be uh, going over well. Um, we you know, hope so. Well, it's a uh, <laughs> it's uh, something where we just listen a ton of listener mail. So, mm-hmm. uh, or list list a ton of listener mail. Um, if you listened last time, you heard we got through seemed like about twenty pieces sure. of listener mail, and we, we some, did pretty well. Yeah, we did, we did, and and we covered some other things as well. You know, some questions for you, some uh, mm-hmm. little back and forth between us. Mm-hmm. Just uh, I don't know stuff we see, things we want to talk about. You know, just. Odds and ends, nuts and bolts. Miscellanea. Exactly, exactly. So today we hope to get to a bunch of listener mail, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully you'll hear yours. If it's been you know something that uh, you've said in the last couple months or so, listen up, you might hear it. So without further ado, mm-hmm. very good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you've been working. Do you write that down? I uh, am not going to answer <laughs> okay. that question. Hey, you know what? One thing I want to start this with. Yes, is that I feel like I need to mention this from last time. We talked about um, you and I both decided that we would rather have a car with a big, powerful engine versus one with all the you know bells and whistles that was underpowered. Um, yes. So th- that came from a listener, and I couldn't remember the, the listener's information because mm-hmm. I, I just read it and I came in here without printing it. Uh, it came from Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is from Crawfordsville or Crawfordville, Florida. Um, so that was in the last Nuts and Bolts mm-hmm. episode. And if you want to know exactly what happened, um, he says that he just graduated from high school recently, and his parents and him uh, split the difference on a 2010 Camaro, which is very nice. Nice one. Yeah, bright, uh, red Camaro. And he had the option of either purchasing a V6 with all the accessories or buying a V8 with base accessories. And he, you know, then asked, you know, what we prefer. And since he goes back and forth to school an awful lot, mm-hmm. uh, he decided that he'd go with the base V6 with all the amenities because he's going to spend a lot of time in there on the highway, probably. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can understand that. So it's not just a, you know, getting around town type thing for him. It's it's uh, you know, long distance hauling. 
Plus, man, we're we're crotchety old guys, you know. We're like at get off my lawn stage, you know. That's true. So what? what I I probably couldn't even work half of the uh, half of the bells and whistles oh, yeah, on the right. 2010. Can't find the buttons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they still use buttons. <laughs> I don't know. I might be good. You know, I'm not sure. That was a touch screen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've got I've got some uh, listener mail. I thought would be cool here. Sure. Um, so we did kick it off. We we paid we paid back our podcast debt. Because yes. Jeremiah, we were both a little bit sore that that we didn't have your name. We we hope that you're not mad at us. I hope not. Yeah. Um, so here's uh, Andrew writing in, and he was he's saying that he's on summer vacation, and he so he's catching up with some episodes, and he listened to an earlier podcast on subway systems, um, and he says, ah, those were the the days, the high speed days, um, <laughs> and he was surprised that we didn't summarize the Moscow Metro. And he wants uh, the rest of the listeners to know it's a wonderful place. It's got the longest escalators you'll ever see going in and out. And the stations are works of art. Uh, some are modernist. Some have uh, very cool statues and murals. Uh, and some have uh, what he believes to be are semi-precious stones in the walls. Uh, he thinks they were built in the 30s by Stalin on an ego trip. And uh, <laughs> he said that he he's pretty sold on these guys. He thinks they're some of the best – uh, subway systems in the world, and it reminded me of a rumor that I wanted to advance, okay. um, which I have not verified. I've just heard. I didn't research this. But there are people who say, who, who maintain that the reason these Moscow subways are, are so deep is because they were meant to withstand uh, possibilities of warfare, like really? to be bunkers, Oh, interesting. See, but Very again, elaborate, decorative, decorative – Bunkers, I guess. I guess if you're going to be there for a while. Yeah, sure. But I, I, I don't know if that's true. I haven't looked into it, have, but still. Have you seen photos of these? Yes. I, after we got that email, I quickly looked it up. Yeah. And I started looking at photos that people had, you know, Flickr or wherever. Oh, they're sent beautiful, though. They it's gorgeous. It it's really is. I don't know how we missed that. I, I didn't, I just didn't know it existed until mm-hmm. now. I mean, I knew they had a system. I had no idea it was that ornate. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, if you live in a, in a city with, uh, like the Fox Theater. Sure. It reminds me of like the lobby of a Fox Theater. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that uh, very grand, high ceiling, vaulted ceiling, very, yeah. uh, very elaborate, ornate design, gilded kind of looking exactly. statues. Yeah, it's beautiful. The lighting is really well done. It's it's nothing like what you would think. And one last thing about this uh, about this subway system in particular, Moscow. Um, you kind of caught me, Andrew, because I was I was saving up to talk about what I'll just touch on briefly here: the genius dogs of the Moscow subway. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw a photo of one of them. That's what that was on one of the sites that I looked at. Yeah, these these dogs have uh people will tell you have trained themselves or somehow figured out uh that they have better chances of getting food and foraging because there are a lot of wild dogs in Moscow, street dogs. And oddly enough, a lot of these dogs or a number of these dogs live on the outskirts of the city where the subway stations go. And in the morning, just like somebody with a nine to five job, they hop on the train, ride it into Moscow, get off the train, go to their favorite scavenge spots. And then when they're done, they get back on the train. Very smart. And I don't think they're paying the toll either. I, you know, I doubt they're paying the toll. <laughs> but anyway, I thought they're, that they're was very smart dogs. Yeah. How do they, yeah. how the heck do they learn that? I have trial and error, man. I would have a difficult time using that system. I, yeah, you yeah. and me both, buddy. <laughs> uh, but so thank you to Andrew, and that was an excellent point. Wild Dogs, wasn't that a movie recently? 
Was it? Wild hogs, maybe. Wild hogs. Wild ho- that makes more sense. Yeah. Motorcycle movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah wild hogs. Yeah. Okay, I got another. I got a question for you. All right. All right. Uh, first one of these of the day. Um, here's my question. You know how we have all these cars now that look like uh, like older vehicles? You know, they're styled to look like uh, yeah. the 1960s version of the same car. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's the Camaro, the Challenger, the Mustang. And those are all from, you know, the, the 60s, late 60s, mid 60s. There's a new version of each one of those. Would you rather have a new version of the Camaro, Challenger, Mustang versus a pristine version of the original, the vintage version? Now, understanding that, you know, let's say it's it's brand new, it's got the reliability of the 1969 Mm -hmm. Camaro, whatever year you want to pick, um, versus the, you know, reliability of now, but... it, so it would be a brand new car and a brand new car. W- which one would you choose? Uh, without a doubt, and I'm only saying this calmly because we'll have to cut it out if I curse at you. Obviously, the vintage man. Would you? Yeah. Okay. What about you? I don't know. I, I thought really? about this. I, I love the look of the old, the vintage version, mm-hmm. of course. But then I started to think that the newer versions, some of them have higher horsepower. True. They True. have uh, improved safety. Absolutely. They yeah. have the look of the old car, right? Yeah, yeah. Similar. Not, not yeah. exact. I mean, it's definitely not as cool. I, I, but influence. And you know I love vintage cars. You do. I, I really do. I, I I only say this, but they're they're better better handling in mm-hmm. the corners because a lot of these cars, they were meant just to go straight. They didn't, They weren't They weren't really <laughs> right. meant to turn that well. And now you can have all of that plus the ability to turn. Yeah, um, that's true. And handle well. So and, and just the, I guess, if you want, I mean, I know it really doesn't come into play when you're talking about the old you know, muscle cars, mm-hmm. but uh, comfort factor. If you're going to take it on a trip somewhere, uh, you know, without overheating, and I mean, you're talking about a brand new car would overheat on on the highway because you know it just wasn't. I mean, I'm sorry, in stop and go traffic because yeah. it just wasn't meant for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take, you know, let's say a new Camaro or a Challenger out in traffic, you're not going to have a problem. The brakes are going to be better I, too. I know. That you, yeah, you lose the exactly. The brakes are better. It's just all new mm-hmm. technologies. Mm-hmm. You're taking. That old look and making it uh, making it new. I, I think that's a, a great idea. But uh, you're right. There is something about the vintage car. It's a tough decision. It really is. But you say vintage for all three. Do you know why? Why? Because I could sell two of them, <laughs> and uh, and then I could just afford the. Uh, and then you know I can buy a little oh, and get man. my Geo Metro. <laughs> but and I'll just drive that when I need to make turns. Okay. All right. Not fast though. All not right. Fast. I understand. But but seriously, that's that's a really good question, and I guess we get into that sort of intangible. What is style? Sure. Yeah. There's a there's a pro con to this entire. I mean, to each one of those, and I don't know. There's no answer, of course. You no. know, it's just whatever your preference is. Yeah. I don't know necessarily that I would go with a brand new one versus a vintage. I'd have to put them side by side, and it'd be a, still a coin flip. But bro, you get the antique license plate. That's true. I'm sorry I called you bro. I'm just excited. <laughs> That's okay. I understand. <laughs> I understand. All right. All right. Um, What's next? You want me to? You, you want me to keep going here? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, here's just something I've just no, kind of learned. Stuff Scott sees. Yeah. You remember? Well, that stuff I see. Right? Okay. This is uh, something I learned around the office here this week. And uh, do you know that? You know that huge pile of papers that I said I had on my desk, the, yeah. um, the the podcast notes that go from our very first podcast up until today. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, consolidated. I've, uh, I've gotten rid of all of my notes up to uh, about five or ten episodes ago. And um, one thing that I noticed around here is that a guy can't shred everything on his desk without raising a few eyebrows around here. Yes. So I'm in there doing like an Enron-style sh- uh, shredding. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it took me hours. You know, at the shredding machine, tearing <laughs> off staples, getting rid of paper clips, right. things like that. I'm shredding, shredding, shredding. Mm-hmm. 
all day long, like all afternoon long, right? Yeah. And uh, a few people stopped in and kind of you know gave me the uh, the sideways look, mm-hmm. and I said, "What guy can't shred everything on his desk without getting uh, a little suspicious?" Yeah, what is that? I don't know. What is that? I don't know. But I mean, really, my desk is totally clean now. You know what it is? Really, I was kind of being facetious. Um, our listeners might not know this about you, Scott. But you're a relatively quiet guy. Yeah. You're not you're not the loudest man on earth. No. I talk an awful lot on this podcast though. Well you but, do a great job. On but this that's podcast. it for the week. Yeah, that's it for the week. You're exhausted, <laughs> right? But the the thing is, there's I call them quiet people rules. There's certain things that if you see a quiet person doing them, they they're maybe not a red flag, but they're definitely like a yellow card. Like it's oh, soccer really? football or something. Okay. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. Well, okay. One of them is one of them is shredding papers, mass shredding. Uh huh. The other one is arguing on the phone in a foreign language. Oh, yeah. Okay, that would do it. Yeah, because I have faked that sometimes, <laughs> and <laughs> to get out of uh, you know, to get out of situations. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. But quiet people rules story for a different time. Um, let's see. We've got a. Uh, <laughs> you ever see What About Bob? I have not seen What About he Bob. He fakes Tourette syndrome. Oh, that's terrible. I know, but, uh, you know, it's good comedy in the movie. I would, you know what? I would never, I would never do that. He taught the kid how to do it, though, and that was funny. Okay, well, I'll have to see it. Okay. I'll have Understood. to, I can't, Understood. Make, I, I can't make that call. I know, it's touchy. So, also, one of the things I thought we could do some listener mail on, um, we get a lot of requests for episodes or suggestions for great topics. Yes. And, um, one thing that maybe our listeners, uh, don't get to see that we do backstage is consider some of the stuff that we we haven't done yet. So I'm going to put out a little clarion call for some of our uh, some of our listeners to see if other listeners like their idea. Okay, sound cool? Yeah, very okay. good. So Thomas writes in and says, "Hey guys, uh, I've always been curious about the autobahn, the no speed limit freeway in Germany. I think a 30 minute podcast could be done on this. You could talk about safety rates versus other freeways, countries that have one." Any proposed autobahns or something similar, mm-hmm. and rules of the road and construction, and I thought that was a cool idea, and I wanted to see what other people thought. So, I like it. Yeah, I like it. We're sold. Yeah, sure. Let right us in. know what you Let guys think. Know. Yeah, you got any more over there? You want me to uh, uh, go let's through switch a few? off? All yeah. right, I've got a ton, so I'm going to go through yeah. rapid fire. Okay, you should go through. Um, Kurt. Kurt is from the Seattle, Washington area. Uh, he says that. Um, oh, he gave his nicknames: Scott Octane Benjamin. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Then Misfire Bowen. Misfire. Ah, that's cool. I don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's all right. That's Octane all right. is cooler, but uh, well, well, but Misfire is, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I like it. It's like a comic book. All right. He writes in about uh, something called the Yellowstone Trail, a brick road that stretched from Boston to Seattle. Wow. I know. I had no idea that was around. He said he accidentally came across it one day while trying to get acquainted to his new home in western Washington. Uh, he found about a mile or so of hand-laid red brick uh, left around from left over from 1913. Uh, just bits of this road that are scattered around some of the northern states, uh, but most of it has been torn up or paved and forgotten. It's called the Yellowstone Trail. So look that up. That's uh, again, that's from Boston to Seattle. That's, that's amazing. It's incredible, and it's a hand-laid red brick road, or or at least this part of it is. Yeah. Maybe other you know part of it was gravel or whatever, but um, I had no idea that there was a Yellowstone Trail. That's amazing. All right, so that's one, right? Uh, let's see. Then uh, we've got Michael from Gainesville, Florida, and he says we guys talked about cigarette butts hitting the windshield. He's been on he's been on his bike. Uh, Michael has, and he says he's been hit in the middle of the helmet with a butt. But worse, he's been burned on his neck by someone who threw a cigarette butt out. Uh, it hurt rather badly, uh, but it didn't get stuck. Uh, it didn't get stuck as he's heard can happen, which yeah. would be bad if that got stuck down in your jacket. So, uh, Michael, that's a bummer. Um, 
Uh, Ryan from Lynchburg. Hey, you know Ryan. What's right? going on, Ryan? Uh, Ryan writes in um, that when he bought his last pair of running shoes. Oh, this is talking about the uh, Route 66 um, marathon that we talked oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Um, he said when he bought a le- his last pair of running shoes, he asked his salesman how many miles he should put on his shoes before replacing them. Because <laughs> <laughs> you remember, I don't remember the distance on that uh, that endurance run, but it was a long time. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, he said they called it the Bunyan Run at one point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, he said that the, the shoe salesman said about 300 miles is what you put on running shoes. Before you replace wow, him. Wow, I'm so impressed with that guy. Three, he had an answer? 300 miles, yeah. Do you think that's real or do you think he's just being you like... You know what? I I think that's real. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, 300 it, miles. It sure does. I had a friend who hiked the uh, Appalachian Trail uh-huh. from Endon, Georgia to Maine. Yeah. And I don't, I can't remember how many pairs of hiking boots he went through. And that's not on a paved road. That's on just gravel, dirt, yeah. you know, that type of surface. But he went through several pairs of boots just outright wearing them out in uh you know the several months it took to get the across the trail 300 miles i'm gonna keep that in mind 300 miles for your running shoes so uh i got a i got a couple (laughs) shoes there on there 290 Uh, oh minor minor good for a lifetime in that case (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh, just a couple more and then we'll skip off to you but um uh listening to your show from england this is james okay it says can you do a um a podcast on the classic mini 1959 through 2001 Mm -hmm. um and i think he asked me you know, ask for it later as well. There may be another one here from from James, but um, the original classic mini is is what he wants to hear about from '59 on. So nice. What do you guys we think should, about we should that? Definitely do that. Let us know. Um, Jesse, Jesse is from uh, the internet. Ah, Jesse from the internet. Yes, Jesse from the internet. Um, uh, this is one about uh, pursuing. He he wants to hear a show about pursuing um, versatile electric cars, uh, where the chassis stays the same, but different tops go on the cars. Nice. So okay. um, it's kind of like the uh, like RC cars almost, where you can you know take yeah. the top off and make it whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is that if you need a truck, you put a t- uh, truck cover onto it and use it use the bed, um, but it still remains an electric chassis. Uh, if you need a smaller car, you just put a smaller car body on top of it. Something aerodynamic, something sporty, whatever it is. But uh, wants to know if anybody's really working on that because he's you know heard about that in the past and doesn't know if it's still happening or if it's just a big dream. We're on that. Um, That's interesting. And. Yeah. Must be from Canada somewhere because it says I can teach you more Canadian slang if you need it. We have all sorts of crazy words. Ah, uh, ah! Uh, did you hear that, guys? Context clues. Canadian slang. Uh, Canadian slang. That's good. I want to know some Canadian slang. Uh, next one, Big yeah. Papa. Big Papa. He's written us. He's before. written to yeah. us before. Yeah. yeah. Um, writing to suggest a topic. I have de- developed a growing obsession with pre World War II cars and people who drove them. More specifically. Bootleggers of Georgia and Southern Carolina, mm. guys like Junior Johnson, Raymond Parks, and Tom Voigt. So um, bootleggers from from the South, and I think it's a great idea. Um, he was, he's reading a book called Driving with the Devil. Uh, this is about mm-hmm. Raymond Parks and his influence on NASCAR, mm-hmm. and said that uh, it would make a fantastic topic. So he's absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, bootleggers would be a, a great one. These are these are really good ideas. Exactly. Um, here's one from. Uh, I'm gonna have trouble with this one. Diarmaid, D-I-A-R-M-A-I-D, Diarmaid. Uh-huh. I think. Okay. Recently, I had my motorbike stolen. That's oh, that's bummer. A uh, I'd like to hear a podcast about what happens to cars and bikes once they're stolen. I've heard a lot of them get sent to Europe, but I just don't know. Mm. A lot of them just get chopped up for parts, really. Yeah. But um, yeah. I have heard a lot about, about a lot of motorcycles making their way over to Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why, but that happens. Yeah, there's there's a story in there. I, <laughs> I know a couple things, but we won't spoil the surprise. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, here's one from Raymond. Uh, Raymond is in New Brunswick and says there's a lot of um, 
80 and early 90s GMC or GM trucks still on the road. Uh, but he has his doubts uh, about 25 years from now if many of these high-tech vehicles will still be on the road. He says he hates to say it, but they just don't make them like they used to. <laughs> so he's kind of calling out the uh, the people that you know make the newer vehicles if they're going to make it or not. Just a bit, just a bit. And he says, <laughs> "Here's the kind of the ultimate call out yeah. line." Okay. Uh, just wondering what you guys think about the longevity of new vehicles compared to back before car designers watched Tool Time and not Lady Gaga. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I know. I found that funny too. That's yeah, a good line. That is. Okay. Here's Kurt from Montana. Uh, the Mercedes-Benz 300 SL that had gullwing doors. This car always seems to be an iconic uh, car for Mercedes. Mm. And in fact, they're bringing that back, the gullwing design. So, no way. Uh, yeah, they have. They've brought it back. It's a very limited edition, mm. high-end, extremely high-end vehicle right now. But, um, yeah, they're bringing it back. So I think that's a good idea. We can talk about the gullwing mm-hmm. cars from Mercedes. Mm. Um, I got one. Oh, good. You want to, okay. uh, yeah, I've got another pile here. So yeah, yeah. let me know when you're done. I'll go back. Well, this is actually this is actually my last uh, my last one. I okay. wanted to because I you know guys we we really have uh, gotten our mail to the point where we we want to clean it out, and so I don't want to step on your toes, Scott. And <laughs> That's actually, okay. I've got another thirty to go. Yeah, we're gonna do it. <laughs> um, okay, so this is an interesting letter it is from someone who would prefer not to be identified so we will give this person an alias is it you it is not me is it you no i don't know who it is so okay uh so this person let's think of a fun name let's have some thinking music real quick cornelius okay good cornelius um so i'm going to do finger quotes every time i say cornelius just imagine for my benefit yeah it's for scott um so Cornelius writes in to say, Hi guys, I just finished your podcast on antique license plates. I'm confessing to being one of those people. Uh, Cornelius says he recently purchased a 1983 Ford F100 and he put the antique plates on it. He purchased it to move mulch and plants and, and you know, go to the dump. It's a work car. And so he puts, uh, he puts about 50 miles a month on it, and he says, even though 1983 was last year for the F100, I doubt there are many people out there who would consider it a classic, particularly this one. He said he got it for $500. It doesn't look that great. The engine and everything is running well, and he's he's fixing um, – he's decided to make this his project. He says he's going to um, – Let's see. The truck has really grown on me. I've begun fixing it up. It's going to be a slow process. I've been concentrating on mechanicals instead of aesthetics, so it still looks pretty rough. He's in Virginia, and he said Virginia does seem to be pretty bad about allowing people to get antique plates for their rusted out pieces of junk. That's his phrase, not mine. Uh, But they do at least require you to own a properly registered and inspected car for daily use. So he says – Wait, yeah. so in addition to his truck, he has to have another vehicle. Right. Okay. And so he says that it is worth it, though. You can see why it's popular. Uh, the registration for an antique license exempts you from uh, annual safety inspection, emissions testing. There's a one-time $50 registration fee, and the plates are valid forever. And he concludes by saying, so yes, I am one of those people and will be even when I'm done fixing it up unless it takes me another 25 years. And here's where Cornelius says, uh, P.S., if for some reason you decide to read this on a podcast, please don't use my name. I'd rather not have my friendly neighborhood troopers looking to take my place away. <laughs> it wasn't really Cornelius, was it? What? No. Oh, no. just imagine if I guessed the right name. I mean, would you have gone with it? Um, No. Oh, okay. 
I would have. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> yeah, would have had some yeah. editing. Let's just make it up. It's uh, yeah. Well, no. never mind. I won't even guess another name because I may guess. Yeah, don't worry, Cornelius. We no, no, your you. your secret's safe with us. And uh, an eighty-three F one hundred. I don't know. I guess it's real square, kind of boxy looking. It probably does look. I'm sure you can spot it as an older vehicle. But sure. Classic. I don't know. But you know, there's another point people brought up before. Classic. The definition is so subjective. Yeah. You know. Yep. So. Exactly, and it fits the criteria. So mm-hmm. good for you, Cornelius. Good for you. Yeah, good so for far, you. buddy. All right, here's a uh, <laughs> here's something. I just I just wonder why. Okay, this why? is not a really question. Maybe it is a question. I don't know. Now, sometimes, not always, but and it's not predictable. Okay. Okay. Sometimes my car feels extremely. Uh, I guess the best way to say it is hooked up. It's real tight. Just everything feels great about it. Uh huh. Nothing's wrong. It shifts well. It drives well. It's real responsive. Uh, the suspension, even though it's whipped, feels great. Everything just seems to feel right to me. I wonder why the heck that happens because it's so unpredictable. It doesn't, it's not every day. It's not even for long periods of time. It may be just part of the day, like when I'm headed home or, um, you know, in the middle of the day during lunchtime or something like that. I don't know what's going on. I had a former boss who said that it was atmospheric conditions. Yeah, that's you know, he said, like, is it, is it high pressure? Is it low pressure? Is it sure. humidity? Things like that. The problem with that is, and I, I sort of believe, you know, of course I know that, you know, cars run better you mm-hmm. know, when it's less humid and, you know, et cetera. But, you know, cool air, that type of thing. However, it didn't seem to match up. It wasn't always the same conditions. And it was, in fact, it was often dramatically different conditions that it would happen. So I, I just wondered if there's anybody out there that has this this kind of oddity thing happening with their vehicle as well. Because this happens – it's not just this car, but I've noticed it in other cars. And it may be subtle enough that someone else wouldn't pick it up. Sure. But I drive it every day, many mm-hmm. miles, and, yeah, I, I can tell when it's running different. It definitely is. It's not It's not in my head. Devil's advocate? Yeah. Octane? Don't nope. get offended. But uh, quite possibly it could be how you're feeling when you're driving. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I Do don't. So? I don't think so either. Because you know, you know, physical. cars really well. It's a physical thing. Like I can you feel can it. feel it in your feet. Yeah, and I feel it. I, I when can you shift. I can definitely tell. And I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm almost cautious to the point where I think something's going to break when that happens because it feels like <laughs> right. something's on the verge of breaking. Or because I've heard stories where you know, in a race car, the moment before the engine goes is when it feels the best because everything's loose and feeling great. And, you know, yeah. it's really, it's really working. It's really, yeah. everything's perfect. I know. And then bam, something happens. So I feel like, um, I'm on the edge with it at that point, but I got it. What? Okay. We get, we get a, a barometer and <laughs> we affix it to a very small dry erase board. That's too much work. What? Dude, I'll do, I'll do the gluing. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, then you can just on that thing, like when you, when you have those moments where the engine's running real well, mm-hmm. you can just put a little date on the dry erase board. So you want me to board. chart it? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's scientific methods. So uh, probably is, yeah. <laughs> All right. You ready to get back to some listener Let's mail? Let's get back to so it. So if anybody knows what the heck's going on, tell me. Yeah. I, I'm kind of doubting the atmospheric conditions, but it I don't know why. It seems it doesn't fit the story. No. Okay. Okay. Back to listener mail. Back to it. Um, Adam. Adam doesn't say where he's from, but um, has, have you ever heard of the, uh, I'm going to say a Cam- Campania T-Rex? It's a high-speed three-wheel vehicle that is simply awesome. We actually have an article about the uh, the mm-hmm. T-Rex on our site, and we've talked about that in our three-wheel car episode, if you recall. Yes. Yeah. Um, later, you know what? Somewhere later in this pile, someone mentions another three-wheel car. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we've heard about the T-Rex, and it is awesome. We've got we've big fans. We've talked about it in the past, and uh, there is an article. So yeah, we've probably covered that one. I don't know. We'll see about it. If there's anything new coming up, we'll we'll do mm-hmm. something. Um, oh, skip one. Uh, John, 
John is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and says, oh, you're going to like this. How about a show about Preston Tucker? Industrial age hero or mid-century Don Quixote? <laughs> what do you think? I think we should try it. <laughs> I, I think we should try it. That's cool. That that's a good one. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw that one recently at the High Museum, mm-hmm. and uh, you've seen them before, right? Mm-hmm. You've, you've actually seen a Tucker running, operating, right? No. I oh, have I thought not, you had. I have not seen, like... Um, didn't you say you went to Tucker? Is it you or somebody else in the office that has gone to um, uh, the Tucker Day event here? This is a Tucker, Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Tucker that I saw in the museum, oddly enough, mm-hmm. resides in Tucker, Georgia. It, you know who it may be? It may be our uh, brother in arms, uh, Chris Collette. Could be. Yeah, I talk to him often about yeah, cars. But uh, people might not know this, but Chris is kind of a gearhead. He is. Yeah, he we knows talk, his stuff. He stops by often to talk about cars, and mm-hmm. I stop by his desk often. And he sends me links all the time and news. And he, he'll often pick up on automotive news before I hear it. Um, mm-hmm. But he's he's really a good guy to have around that you know he keeps me up on uh, what's going on. <laughs> yeah, and Jonathan Strickland's good too. Yeah, he's good too. I, I feel like cause since they're <laughs> podcast partners, we should mention them both, huh? <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it may, it may have been him. I don't know how he's going to feel about that. Yeah, John, you're, you're fine too. I know. <laughs> it's okay. Those guys never listen to our show. <laughs> All, All right. right. What's next? All right. What's Sue. Sue is from, uh, she lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, uh, she heard us talking about the merging pet peeve. Well, a while back, there was a segment on her local news station, uh, that talks exactly about that and where the, uh, Minnesota Department of Transportation said that they were interviewing, um, Somebody from from that that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that the news was interviewing someone from that, an employee, saying that uh, you're not supposed to move over as soon as you see the sign saying the lane will be closed. They want to have two lanes open as long as possible. So that's a strategy. Is mm-hmm. that I guess they don't want everybody to just say like, okay, the left lane's closing down up here. I'm going to move right. Right. They want people to go to the very end because then they've got two lanes, the maximum distance, and then mm-hmm. merge at the end. But the problem is no one lets anybody in at the end. Yeah, so right, because they have such a stigma. So then that left lane ends up getting backed up, and that's where the problem happens. If people would allow, you know, if it's in every other thing, every other car, mm-hmm. that would work perfectly. But the only way that would happen is if there was something more specific about when to merge. Severe tire damage. Severe tire damage might do it. That would do it. Nobody likes STD. <laughs> oh, very good. Right? Very good. I'll yeah. be here all week. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Try the veal. All right. Um, here's one from Yuri, and Yuri is a Brazilian fan. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, he's talking about um, Henry Ford. Ford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You just remember this one from a long time ago? I mean, it's Brazil, man. Uh, Fordlandia. Do you remember Fordlandia? Yes, we talked sir. about that. Yep. Uh, crazy place that is. He says he's an engineer and he worked in the Amazon jungle for two jungle in quotes. I don't know why. Uh, for two years, deploying and maintaining machines uh, for the aluminum industry. Um, and also during that time, he had to fly a lot of hours to get uh, certified for a small plane pilot's license. Oh, congratulations! Yep, very good. Uh, and says one of the trips he bumped into the Fordland- Fordlandia village, and he has to say that it's. He said there's. He said there's no weirder place on earth than. In Fordlandia, wow! And he says that there's a there's a plant over there in Fordlandia. Uh, they say there's two plants, and I think we talked about both those plants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one is for basic materials like rubber, and the other one is is to build cars. And the remain the remaining villagers that stay in this place, right? And they live mostly in the houses that were built by Ford, you know, during that time. Yeah. And they work as if their founder backs them up. In fact, they firmly believe that Henry Ford himself or an offspring will go there and finish the project. 
and build cars there. Something like a collective hysteria or illusion, he says. Wow. So there's this, this mindset that it's going to pick back up again. Like we're going to stay here and maintain this region until someone comes back to revitalize it. Um, the funny thing is, he says, you feel like you're in a Star Trek movie where they're waiting for something like the great architect to come back and, uh, you know, praise you for your work. <laughs> With says, a Star Trek. Yeah, he says they, they speak kind of a Portuguese English dialect that came from the, the time of the founders of this place. So, nuts. um, that's nuts. I know, I know, but here's somebody who's actually been to Fordlandia. So it's proof that it's out there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to go or not. I, are you kidding, man? That's my, I it think be, that's more my bag. It would yours. be, it'd be neat to see. You know I like the weird stuff. Yeah, I so. do. I do. I think yeah. it would be. I think it'd be cool to see. All right, we've got one here from uh, Colin, and Colin's written in the past. I, I forget where Colin is from exactly, but um, Colin says, "I wondered if you've seen the VW GX3 concept." Here's our other three wheel car that we yeah, were talking about yeah. earlier. Um, says one of his favorite cars, vehicles ever made. Um, he says, "I remember there being a rather likely prospect of, of being produced, but sadly, VW listened to their lawyers and not their ten year old sons like they should have." Ouch. <laughs> Which is, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. that. You know, there, there, maybe there should be some more 10 to 15 year old, uh, you know. Consultants? Um, exactly. You know, the, the groups, mm-hmm. the marketing groups that they do, uh, mm-hmm. just to see what would fly. Because, uh, I, I thought that car was fantastic, that VW GX3. It was really cool. And, um, I don't know. I wish they would come out with something like that soon. I'm, yeah. I'm missing that kind of design. Plus, what's going on with the VW, uh, what is it? The, um, the L1 car, the, VW, the, oh, the, the one, one liter, liter car. Yeah. yeah, but they called it something else. It was something, it's yeah, a version of that. The L1, the 1L or one L, something. Yeah, L1, yeah. Uh, 1L, something like that. I wonder where the heck that is. It needs to, uh, it, it needs to be out, man. I think people would have a tremendous response to that vehicle. <laughs> How about this? We got, uh, I got maybe two more quick things and then I'm done. Do you have anything else? Uh, no. Are you gonna, are you about to pull a fast one on me? Uh, maybe. Okay, what's up? Quick question. You can answer this, uh, Either choose to ignore it or whatever you'd like to do. We'll see. In the last, uh, epi- not the last episode, I guess it was the knowledge episode. Yes. Think back. You talked about the knowledge, the cab the, driving. The cab the, driving uh, test yeah, exactly. for London. Yeah. There was a mention. I was listening to this the other day. That's why it comes up. Uh, you drove an El Camino for a while, Ben. Yes. <laughs> Tell me what's going on with that. I, I had no idea that you ever drove an El Camino. Did you enjoy it? Would you uh, recommend this vehicle? Would you? Because uh, I, I think El Caminos are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, they're in. Uh, we've got a brief tale there. I'll, I'll keep it. Uh, I'm going to edit this Make for public for yeah. public consumption. Sure. Well, also, I want it to be tasteful with a lot um, less swearing. All right, I know, man. The swearing is crazy, you guys. When I'm not here, I'm just dropping f bombs. But uh, so my father, while I was still in high school, he and his boss had an argument about this El Camino they wanted to buy, and it was beat up, man. I don't even remember what year it was, but we're talking uh, plywood over a hole in the floorboard, <laughs> kind of beat up. You sure, know? yeah. And the engine ran fine. You could smell that it was burning some oil. Um, but that was about the only problem with the engine. The argument they had was this. Uh, my dad wanted to pay a hundred dollars for the car. And <laughs> so, oh, so this is the level of car. Yeah, we're talking and about. his friend didn't want to take the money. He just said, get this car out of here. Really? Yeah. And so I started, uh, you know, I, I loved it. I shouldn't have, um, you know, I, I shouldn't have thought that that car would last for a while. Yeah. Well, being a hundred dollar car, it didn't last. Yeah. Well, just in case, I wouldn't think so. But but man, it was it was neat. It's such an interesting design. Yeah. And 
back then, you know, as a kid, I was a wee young tyke. I didn't really need to haul a bunch of stuff around. No. Now, I think that a pickup like that would be very useful, that pickup capacity. Yeah, I know that the uh, Australian division of General Motors, Holden, mm-hmm. was making or still does make a, a El Camino version of this. I don't remember if they call it that or not, but there's a version of that car still in existence. That being said, I do think they're kind of ugly cars. Yeah, well, I'm sure. just being honest, but no, I understand. it's functional. They're they're. I think there's a like, there's kind of a cool factor to them if they're done the right way. They can they, they can be made up like a hot rod, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the chrome rims lowered, you know, it's yeah. really nice paint and you know, big engine that type of thing. I'm telling um, you, man, holes in the floorboard, <laughs> two hubcaps didn't yeah, match. Yeah, it sounds like you had a completely different experience. I loved it though, man. I would drive that car. <laughs> I was ju- I was just taken aback by the idea that you were driving around town in an El Camino. Oh yeah, that's why checkered past. I don't know why, but you know what? Let's just send it at that. I, I don't want to. I've got something else, but I'll just I'll just maybe hold on to it for next time. All right. I'll, I will I will live to fight another day. Very good. You guys, um, I hope that – well, we hope that you have heard an email from yourself yeah. uh, to us here on the air. Uh, as we said, we'd like to continue with this series because – Golly, we've got we, we know we have enough. I, you know, what, I've yeah. got I've got a handful of notes still in here that I haven't gotten to yet, so um, or been able to read yet. So uh, please keep sending them, and I've got another fifty on my desktop. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we plan to do this a little more often, maybe in the future. Yep, Scott is making a list and checking it twice. That MO may sound familiar to some <laughs> of our younger listeners. Maybe. Yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and head out of here, guys. Uh, now remember, for a quick recap, we had. A lot of really good ideas proposed, so write in, let us know what you think. Yeah, uh, which ones are popular, which ones you don't mm-hmm. think are going to fly, and uh, and why. Yeah, which ones do you think should have been mentioned that weren't? And you can email us, as always, at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done.